I want to share with you from, start off from uh, Isaiah chapter 64. God is our maker. God is our creator. Do we believe that? Really believe it? Then it raises all kinds of issues and questions about our lives and how we live our lives. In Isaiah 64, the prophet is crying out to God, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. He's asking that God would do again what he did at Mount Sinai, that the presence of the living God comes down, And all nature responds to it in ways that people could see and hear and experience. He he continues, When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. For of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. Paul echoes this in the New Testament. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you are angry, and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? It's a good question. The presence of God was there. He meets joyfully with those who walk with him and who remember his ways, but he's angry with our sin. And we've been in our sins a long time. I think um, what happened in Virginia is an indication of where we are as a nation, Um, at least parts of our nation. Um, We could add other stories like that in different areas. And we've been in our sins for a long time. Shall we be saved? He's writing to God's people. Isaiah is. The people of God. He's asking him this question. We have all become like one who is unclean, and our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Um, We understand that, don't we? Our sins are like leaves. They're numerous. They're dry. And when they fall to the ground, they're dead. And our iniquities are like the wind that blows our life away. And suddenly we find ourselves waking up and looking at our past and we find out that uh, where did our life go to? And what has we accomplished? So we've all become like something unclean. And even our righteousness is like a polluted garment next to a holy God. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. You've hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. It's a very graphic image, isn't it? I love the prophets. The prophets are visual in their descriptions. Um, I was on the border. I was in Rwanda on the border of Burundi several years ago. And on this mountaintop, was a church that the the people had been trying to build for a number of years. And they just used whatever materials they had. They were poor, so they couldn't buy a lot of things. So they were on top of the mountain here. They would have to walk all the way down 
to the river in the bottom of the valley. Down there they would have to go and they would dig with hoes and shovels. They would dig the, the mud and the clay out. They would bring it up on shore and they had little platforms that they would mold bricks. And because they were poor, they had to just let these bricks dry in the sun. Then after they had done that, then they had the task of hauling those bricks all the way up to the mountain by hand, uh, carry them up, and then they built their church. Well, what had happened is a, a pretty good-sized church, and they had got the thing built up, and they were getting ready to put the roof on, and um, by then it was time for the rainy season. Now, these are sun-dried bricks, and so when the rains come, and they come in downpours there during the rainy season, it melted. So they had to start the project all over again. They did this three times, never able to get the roof on before the rains came. And the community was saying, oh, the, you know, this is not of God. The devil is doing this. This is not, you guys got to give up. They were persistent. And a com- uh, one of the leaders in that community, a member of a different church altogether, came and said, look, I've got a brick kiln and I will dry your bricks for you. And another guy came over here and says, um, we have some tin, we will donate the roof. And so they were able to do that. But every time I read this verse, I think about that church. I have pictures of it. This church, here it is, and then the mud comes. Uh, Isaiah says, our iniquities have caused us to melt. But he continues, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Now you remember back in Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7, talks about God taking the dust of the earth and molding it and shaping it into an image like him. And through the breath of his spirit, he gave them life. But we are all still jars of clay, aren't we? I think about this quite a bit. Um, Many of us, if you've lived long enough, you've experienced the hardness of life in some way or another. And life is hard. And there are some very difficult, harsh things that happen in our lives. And sometimes you wonder what in the world is going on. But God is our Father. He is the potter and we are the clay. Do you ever think about the clay? Well, back in uh, Exodus, they had to make their own clay there in Egypt. So they would bring the dirt, they would bring the water. And for long hours in the hot sun, the slaves were out there treading. Like you'd tread grapes, except they're treading mud. And you know, as, as it gets harder... It sticks to you more, and it gets harder and harder. And as the day goes on in the hot suns of Egypt, where there is no shade, and you're out there stomping all day long, and you're stomping and beating and managing, making clay. Then you've got to take that clay, and you have to mold it and shape it. And then if it's going to last, you have to put it in the fire. So God is the potter. We are the clay, and in the difficulties of life, 
What is God doing? How does God mold your life and mine? It's through the harshness and through the fires that makes us into something strong and useful and in the hands of the proper potter, it can be something very beautiful. But I don't think it's a pleasant experience for the clay. In Jeremiah chapter 18, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. Must have been some defect, some flaw in the clay that he was using. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do so. The clay wasn't saying, this is what I want to be. The potter was saying, this is who I am creating you to be. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Now that's a pretty strong statement. He's talking now to a nation, the nation that is supposed to be the people of God. Uh, Called by him, anointed by him, established by him in this place because that's where he had placed them. And so what is he telling them here about God molding and shaping? He makes it very clear. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom, I will build and plant it. And if it does evil in my sight not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do it. Now therefore say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return every one from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds." So God is saying that as his word comes, he's like the potter who is shaping us into earthen vessels. And it can be something that is good or it can be something that is is destroyed for a work over. The response to God's word determines which it will be. It can be a vessel that's made for honor or it can be one that's made for destruction. And it depends partly on our response to God's word. So he's calling them back and he's saying, look, uh, this is what's coming your way. But if you repent, if you turn away, actively change your lifestyle, your future can be different. And that's true for you and I as well. Our response today, every day, to the Word of God, helps shape how our day goes that way, doesn't it? If we harden our heart against God, we can have a really bad day. Or we can wake up in a bad day. You ever wake up in a bad mood? All of us have. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Like the clay 
in the presence of God, it can be molded into a creative, life-giving, enjoyable day. Doesn't depend on the circumstances. Doesn't depend on people around you. Um, can't depend on what people think or say or do. It's got to be us and the maker. And so he's inviting them. He's return, amend your ways and your deeds. But they say, that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. It's a sad statement. It's a statement of fact though, isn't it? Isaiah puts it this way, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each of us to his or her own way. But God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Bought with a price. Determined to go our own way. That's the book of Judges, chapter 17, chapter 21. It's the beginning and the end of that section. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And it's the social, political, economic collapse of a whole nation in those five chapters. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. What's taking place in our country right now? Uh, People want freedom, but it's not freedom that we're asking for. It's license. License to do whatever I want, whatever I feel, whenever I want, and whenever I feel. And I don't want anybody telling me what I can or cannot do. Because I'm free. Yep. You're free to die. Free to ruin your life. You're free to cause destruction and pain and heartache to every person in your path. You're free to do that. Isaiah chapter 29 tells us partly what the problem is. And he says that we've gotten things confused within our own thinking. In Isaiah 29, again, commentary on what's taking place within our own country right now. You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me. Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, He has no understanding. Does this sound familiar in our society and culture? Contemporary life in the United States? People boldly proclaiming, we are not a Christian nation, boldly standing up. He did not make me. If he didn't, where did you come from? Where did you come from? Who gave you life? If you tell people they're an animal long enough, they will act like one. And we are seeing that in our country today. We have a creator. We have a maker. We have a potter. He is not like us thank God for that what he calls us though is to be used and pliable in his hands to be like him in Romans chapter 9 verse 21 we have what you call potter's rights and what that's a question that uh, Paul asks there in Romans chapter 9 he said doesn't the potter have the ability and the right to take this lump of clay and make it and form it any way he chooses? It's a question. It's a question we need to ask. Our life is not about us. It's about God, our creator, our shaper, our molder, the potter who forms us 
and he's forming us into his image. Using the difficulties, the hardships of life sometimes, um, the heat and the fires. There was an old uh, holiness song we used to sing a long time ago. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. And it's a good song. Some of us, he brings us through the waters, some through the floods, some of us through the fire. He brings all of us through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the, the potter has the right and the ability to make whatever he chooses to make. Paul talks about the grace of God revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. And he talks about God the creator, and he goes back to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And he talks about God creating light out of darkness. And he compares that, and starting in verse 6, God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Sometimes we get confused. We think it's ours. The surpassing power belongs to God. The grace that is on our life is a gift. We have this treasure in this clay pot. Um, most of you have been... Many of you have been to foreign countries where they use um, clay pots that they've, out in the villages and the tribal areas, they make their own uh, utensils. And they make and shape the clay, put it in the fire. It's not a kiln. Most of the time it's just in the fire under the ashes. They get it out and it becomes a useful, functional tool. If they drop it and break it, it, it cracks and breaks easily. But it's cheap, it's easy to make. So they'll go make another one. We are clay jars. <laughs> but what's in us is a treasure. Around 1948, a Bedouin was down around Qumran area uh, on the Dead Sea. He lost some sheep, had gone into this cave in the in the cliff phase, it's hard to get to. Inside there, uh, these young shepherds, these are usually young boys, they are intelligent guys. They know how to deal in the desert. They know about the animals and stuff. And they know better than to walk into a cave out of bright sunlight when you don't know what's in there. So, uh, being wise, they picked up a stone, threw it in there. And instead of a sheep running out, they heard a crash. So now they want to know what it is. And they go in and they find the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest manuscripts of the Old Testament that we have. It's on display there in, the, in Jerusalem, in the, the Museum of the Book. And what God did was he instructed these guys to take these manuscripts and put them in these large clay pots. Now the clay pots themselves are not very valuable. But what they had was the, the living word of God. And it was there, preserved all of those years. Clay pots can hold other things as well. 
And it's not just clay pots. There's all kinds of honorable and dishonorable vessels. Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.20. And this is, what, this is what he says. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So in this house you have vessels, gold, silver, wood, and clay. Some of them are for honorable purposes, some of them for dishonorable. And the purpose doesn't depend on the vessel. In Revelation chapter 17 verse 4 is a description of the great prostitute of Babylon, uh, this great goddess that rules and controls the nations. And in her hand she has a golden cup, beautiful cup. It's full of abominations and impurities. So it's not only the vessel, uh, it can be beautiful, it can be functional, it can be expensive, it can be cheap. But the real value of the vessel is what it's used for and what it contains. So God has made us different as people. It's a great thing. God's creative. Infinite creativity. All we have to do is look around and look at each other. And God has a sense of humor <laughs> on some of us. <laughs> but the important thing is, you know, some are important as far as the world goes. Some of us, nobody knows who we are and, and nobody cares much, you know. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is even if we're just a clay pot, a functional thing pulled out of the fire, if we are cleansed from what is dishonorable, we become a vessel for God's glory. He sets us apart as holy and we become useful to the master. Now we're all clay pots. What's inside of us is the treasure that we bring and offer back to God. So what's inside of you? Do what we offer to Him, um, the glory of the living Christ embodied within our hearts and in our souls? Or do we have a golden cup full of abominations and impurities, selfishness and sin? What do we offer to the Lord this morning? We are, we are all pots of one kind or another. And in the presence of the Lord, He sees and receives what we offer up to Him. He's the potter. We are the clay. He's molding us into the image of Christ with ever-increasing glory that he might fill us with the fullness of Christ through his Spirit living in us. Let's pray. Lord, you are the potter. We are the clay. Forgive us our arrogance in sometimes living as if it was the opposite way around making you into our image that we can control and manipulate for our own ends. 
cleanse us, convict us of that sin and wash us and set us aside holy for your good to be used by you for your glory in this earth. Thank you, Lord, that you pick up even the clay and make something beautiful and holy because it's in your image. We ask that you would do that within us. And some of us, Lord, we need to be remade. We are like clay that's been marred in your hand because of the defects within us. Cleanse us, purge us, remold us back into the image of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.